Hi everyone. We uh, we didn't really know how to open open this because uh, any way of saying it is is a little bit cringy. But um, yeah, th- this is the tracks the podcast, and we kind of realised that uh, in the Craig Engels podcast, we sort of didn't really say who we were, what we've done, all that sort of stuff. So this one was kind of just uh, just a podcast to sort of to really introduce ourselves and. Um, yeah, and let everyone know a little bit more about us. So I'm, uh, I'm Rory Leonard, uh, 19 from from Great Britain. Um, I, I'm a, a middle distance, long distance athlete uh, who's represented Great Britain uh, on four different occasions. Um, but I'll go, I'll go into that a little bit more later. Um, and this is Alfie. Uh, hiya, uh, I'm Alfie Manthorpe. I'm from Sheffield in the UK. I'm 20 years old and I have not represented Great Britain on four different occasions, <laughs> but I did want to beat Rory over a 5k road race. So that, that is very true. And it was in, it was in a blustery Blackpool on, in the Northwest of England. And, uh, and I think I dropped, dropped my kick like 800 meters into the race. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a, that was a tough day out. Always tough going to Blackpool anyway though. So. Yeah, so um, we obviously asked to ask us some questions. Uh, so we're just going to sort of read them off as we go now. So um, the first one is how slash when did you start running? Uh, yeah, so I, I started running about four years ago uh, after, after I quit playing football. Um, just kind of stopped enjoying playing football. And my parents were, were really good athletes when they were younger. Um, my dad ran 13, 35, 5K. So I thought, you know, hopefully the genes are there for me to do well well in running and uh, also running offered up a sport where you're pretty self-reliant like you know if, if you have a bad race then that, that that's your fault sort of thing and if, if you have a good race again that's your fault so sort of you're not relying on a team too much and, and you can uh, you can analyze your own performance pretty pretty easily yeah I, I think I to be honest I think I started running when I was about seven which is very young. Um, it's sort of like showing now with the occasional aches and pains on in like the knees and stuff and the ankles and everything like that. But just part yeah. of the sport, really. Um, yeah. But I'm sort of similar to you, where my mum and dad both ran. Um, they're both decent runners, and I think just sort of growing up around them, sort of telling us about when they used to race and stuff like that, it just sort of motivated me to start running. And then, to be honest, I wasn't even that good at all. Really, it took like probably like a year or two to actually start having any decent success over like the city like city level like on the schools mm-hmm. level but again like you said it's sort of um it's sort of an individual sport and it's sort of yourself and that's all that matters is how you perform and you like hold yourself accountable and i think that's a big thing for why i've probably stuck at, stuck at running because you can control how you do for the most of the time because it's your effort what you put in is what you're going to get out so it's it's sort of that's that's sort of like also links onto the second question, which is favorite thing about the sport. So, what would you say your favorite thing about the sport is? Uh, for me, I've been really lucky, uh, and I've been able to you know travel to different countries racing, um, and you know represent my country uh, on on four occasions. So, I guess for me, it's offering up a chance to to run at an international level and travel around the world but also um as i said as i said before a great thing about the sport is that you are accountable and there's no real shortcuts uh you just you just run hard and you uh, and you race hard yeah i completely agree with you there like one of the biggest things and like the best things about the sport for me is like even not on an international level but when you travel around the country with like your teams and stuff there's something yeah. about it where it's just I don't know, it's just like you're going to race and you're going to, mainly with cross country, you're going to race and you're going to be in a lot of pain for about half an yeah. hour. But for yeah. some reason, the whole like journey there and back just seems to like make it worth it kind of thing. Yeah, just, definitely. I think the people that you, that you meet actually, because it's like, you know, I, I met you through athletics. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know you uh, if, if we hadn't, if I hadn't gone into athletics or if you hadn't gone through, in, into athletics. And I think, you know, a lot of my, closest friends are um runners and you know you, you meet some of your closest friends through the sport and that's that's what i'm really grateful for as well 
yeah, I think as well, any, any friends who aren't within the sport sort of don't really understand when you, you're saying, like, you've got to go on a run or something like that. Everyone's just like, why are you running? Or, like, you're just going out for an easy jog or something. And I think it's really handy to have friends within the sport who actually understand the sport because it's such a strained concept to, like, just be like, oh, I'm just going to go out on a long run today just just because I, I want to or something like that. It's, it's, it's an odd sport, but... Oh, it's a really weird sport, and that's and that's true because with like with my friends from home, I uh, you know it's a tough one when it's sort of a Friday night and you've got you've got a race next day and you're trying to explain to them that you know you can't go out in Newcastle, you can't be out until four in the morning, you got to be you got to be asleep by like ten because you're going to be suffering the next day, and and yeah, I think a lot of people don't don't quite get that about the sport, or you know, I mean, some people aren't in it, and you don't. It's tough to understand the sport that we do if you're not inside of it because it seems like such a strange concept that you go out every day you you sort of you put yourself through the pain and sometimes for quite a little return so it, you know it shows how people inside the sport really love it yeah well, I think as well it's that sort of like cliche where everyone always says running is like a lifestyle not a sport and it's, it's more yeah. than just a sport and I think that's definitely shows because you can't really go out but you can't really like you if you've got a session in the evening you the whole day has to lead up to that session like eating wise yeah. drinking water and it's, it's a bit of a handful but i guess so we've got ourselves into it really um yeah tough and a lot of people say that it's a sacrifice but i don't think sacrifice is the right word because you enjoy it and you love it and like yeah you miss some of the things that a lot of other people miss at at our age, I suppose, but you know, you're doing it for a reason because you love running and all that sort of stuff. But by the same token, you can, when the time's right, you can go out and you know do all that other stuff. Um, but yeah, I guess it's just knowing knowing when you can and when you can't. And I guess talking on the training front, our next um, question was, what is your hardest session? So I guess that's the hardest session that you've ever done or or one that you sort of like a staple session for you that's just just hard well I, I think my answer is going to be quite boring compared to yours because we all know if anyone follows you on instagram or anything on snapchat like that we all know that your sessions are sort of big to say the least like they're just crazy so i feel like my answer is going to be a bit <laughs> underwhelming here. but I'll, I'll try and i'll try and keep it a bit entertaining i'd probably say the hardest session i've ever done or like the session I also enjoy doing what I feel like once you've done it you're like what yeah I'm fit or whatever it's probably yeah it's probably I've done 10 or 12 times um but it's let's say 12 times a k um but there's no rest in between so it's like a fartlek so it's 1k at like threshold pace and then like 1k at I don't even know what to call the other it's like a 20 seconds slower and it's just yeah. 10k at that it's just Man, that that's a tough float because that's that's not really taking your foot off the pedal that much. Yeah, it's tricky because you've got to you sort of when you finish your fast K, you sort of go into the float and think you can slow down, and then you get you get to like two hundred, like way too slow, and it's like, oh no, and it's just you're never really resting. But it's definitely if you can make that session, like literally, if you can finish the session, then it's usually a good indication that you're at some fitness because it's just. It's a crazy session, but then probably the hardest session is one I hope I never have to do again is K8642. So that's 1,000 meters. I think it's six minutes rest, 800, six minutes yeah. rest, 400. No, sorry, 600, six minutes rest, 400, six minutes rest, 200. Ouch. Basically all flat out. It's just lactic city. And uh, yeah, I'll never leave the track well after that. It's just... Yeah, man, that, that's a session where you're you're on the floor for a while after that one. Yeah, I have to get a wheelchair. Yeah, it's not, it's not nice. body bag session, body bag session. Exactly. Uh, I think I think my, I mean, my sessions are a little bit unique because of sort of where I live, and a lot of my sessions are based where I live. Um, so it's a tough one to grab context of this one, but the, the hardest session that I have to do, which is uh, three, I just one sort of once every three weeks um and it, and it's quite quite well named uh the hospital hill because well you start the session at the hospital and you sort of need to finish in a hospital um so it, it's it's about 800 it, it's mile reps but um sort of 50 percent is is uphill so you start this 800 meter climb from from the gun and it's just 
absolutely awful, really, really steep. And then you finish that 800 and the next 800 is flat. Uh, it's all on road. Um, and, and man, like you kind of, you grind through that hill and then you have to get going again on the flat and it's just so tough. And in the winter we do, um, we do seven of those. So we do seven by a mile of these, these uphill reps. And then in the summer, we, we shorten that down to three off, off quite a big recovery. Um, so that's a tough one. In, in terms of like track sessions and lactic sessions, I think the toughest one I've done is five by 600, 200 off. Um, so it's 600 flat out, 30 seconds, and then a 200. Um, and then the recovery in between those sets is uh, is three and a half minutes. So you're just absolutely hammering them. And it's like, I think the best I've averaged is like 126 or 125 followed by like 26 sort of thing. And that, that was like last year because I haven't been able to get on the track much this year. So that's probably probably my hardest sessions that, that I have to do through the year. Yeah. Yeah, any session with 30 seconds rest where you've got to hit the rep, first rep hard, it's just, it's terrifying because you finish that rep and then you literally, after you've managed to stand up from like, breathing out your ass, it's like, go again. And it's... Yeah, it's, yeah, it's exactly. Shocking. And then the other thing is, is that like in that session, we there's a, there's a HML Guru session where he, he does a rep flat out and then he just stops just stops dead no jog no anything like that to flush the lactic out so you you finish that rep and you just stand still you, and all the lactic's still there and you've just got to deal with that in the 200 and like oh man it's just the roughest thing and you know tony tony's put me for a few of those workouts where you know i've questioned life but um but gone but got through them I guess that's why you've got four GB vests and I've got zero because I'm an absolute wuss when it comes to doing sessions. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. There's, there's some killers. And um, I think the next question is, um, I think someone asked, yeah, someone asked um, where, where we see Jakob going and, and how he started off in his progression. And I guess just analyze Jakob Ingebrigtsen, which is, which is not an easy thing to do because he's a freak of nature. I don't even know where to start with this because part of me wants to say that he's going to get close to the world record, but I know that's never going to happen. I, I, I don't think it will anyway. I think HML Garuja's world record is probably not going to get beaten. And if it is going to get beaten, it probably won't be by Jakob. So mm. as much as his indication now suggests that he'd be able to carry on and break that world record, uh, I think that's going to be a tough feat to... Uh, do but I feel like he could get close to the European record, which is obviously Mo Farah's. Is it twenty seven or twenty eight? Three twenty eight, maybe. He, he could even run that this year if it was a track race, to be honest. But yeah, a hundred percent. I feel like he's going to struggle getting the world record over the fifteen. Yeah, it's it's a tough one for him, especially this year because it's difficult to um to know exactly what sort of race shape you're in because no one no one can really really get the, the racing form in, you know, it's going to be tough for him to get a high quality, like 800 in and, and, you know, get, get the races that are going to prep him to run like 337. Um, Cause for, for me, I look at him and it's kind of a shame because I think if, if Jakob went and broke the world record, the question marks would be, would be ridiculous because if we look at it now, if we look at people like Kiprop who got close and, you know, if 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 an athlete like Kiprop who's doping gets you know gets so close to that world record, it would be a shame if if people questioned it of Jakob. Um, because for me, I really hope that that he's clean, and you know, I believe that he is, and I'd I'd really love to see him get close to that world record, especially as such a talented talented young athlete. Like it's ridiculous, it's crazy the stuff that he's doing. Well, you just see some of his times, like every race, race after race, he just shocks everyone, like. He's, he's just, yeah, there's no, he's just ridiculous. And what about over the 5K? Do you think he's got a future there? Or do you reckon that's sort of always going to be a bit tricky for him? I think five, I think he's proved himself on the cross country and already running fast over 5K that, you know, if a dude can run what he's run over 15 and also run as well as he has done on the cross, you know, I think he was, was he 12th at World Cross? First, um, 
I think he yes, was. Obviously, but he, obviously, first, obviously, first European. He blew up like terribly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah that that was that was just so impressive to see because I, I was watching from way back, like way back in the pack, and I was just seeing this dude like tearing it up at the front and keeping with the leaders for so long, and, and it's kind of like with Jakob, if the kid's so quick over fifteen and. You know he's proved himself on the cross. I think five k. He's he'll he'll still do some great things, and uh, and obviously he already has done some pretty amazing things. It sounds sounds crazy to say that he's uh, that he's got even more left in him, and and what he's done so far isn't isn't quite quite even at his potential yet. Yeah, well he's still a teenager, isn't he? Which is crazy to think about. But I guess he's been around on the scene since he was like sixteen. When he, yes, right. Yeah, did he win his first European Junior at sixteen? Fifteen, I think it was fifteen. Uh, yeah, oh, fifteen my or sixteen. God. But it's ah, oh, that's when he beat Jimmy Gressier, Alex Yi, Mohamed Mohamed. I think he beat Cripper as well at European. Yeah, I think Cripper was in there. Jeez, man, it's crazy. He's an animal, and then he came back, and he, you know, we saw um, we saw Jake Hayward beating over fifteen hundred. Um, European juniors I think Jakob was 17 or or 18 there he was definitely really young and he went he won the 3k steeple he won the 5k I think he ended up like sixth or seventh in the 15 after a fall with like 300 to go but even in that last 300 the dude was flying you just see him go past like low 340 runners (laughs) just like he's falling over yeah the guys on the deck it was a bit stupid there I think I think his big ego helps him a lot with his confidence. Like you, you mm. sort of need it when you're him, but like he shouldn't, yeah. he shouldn't have gone with like, he should have just accepted that he wasn't going to win in that race. I guess that's the wrong way to look at it, but he had a race an hour later. He should have, he should have just jogged through the line. But I guess, I guess that's kind of his work ethic. What's got him to where he is today. Cause his, his dad always says that, um, Philip's more talented, but wow. Jakob, um, just seems to work the hardest and has the best, like mentality and I guess that kind of shows through when he races yeah I guess also with the other brothers it's kind of like Gert can can manipulate the training you know like with Henrik he, he got it he was like so close and Henrik was doing you know Henrik did amazing things I mean he, he still will do amazing things and then then he had Philip and it's kind of like applying you know you can see what didn't quite go right with Henrik Henrik what didn't quite go right with Philip and then he can make sure that Jakob doesn't make the mistakes that potentially either of them did or or any mistakes that you know potentially Gert had with with their training so I think Jakob's got the the perfect sort of support network as, as well as a, like one of the most ridiculous training groups in in his two brothers yeah I completely agree he's kind of just had the best everything's like been passed down to him and like he's just a fine-tuned like he's almost like a a lab like a something made in the lab, isn't it? Really, I guess he is. Yeah. The amount of bloody, the amount of bloody has taken every day, to like lactate levels and stuff. It's yeah. always just yeah, a science. Yeah. But I guess that's what you've got to do to be at the top and also challenge the East Africans. Um, well, that's the thing. He's, you know, he's he's made sure that he's taken every precaution. I mean, even even stuff like on on the series, like when when Gert found out that Jakob's girlfriend had a cold, he was like, you know, get her out what are you doing like we can't be getting ill and and it's fair enough because you know he's controlling the controllables as much as he is Jakob's dad he's also his coach so I guess it's you know he's, he's just trying to take take care of him as much as possible yeah I think I think now as well if it, if his girlfriend had a cold now it would, it would be a different story I guess but yeah he's, he's, his dad seems to be so invested it's more of like a a coach athlete relationship over a father-son relationship and I guess and obviously that father-son relationship is still going to be there but I think that's sort mm. of involved in like the sacrifices some people make to sort of be at the top level of, of the sport and I guess we could have a whole podcast on the Ingebrigtsons so quickly before we move on to the next question Olympic medals world champs medals just Jakob alone what how many medals do you think he's going to end his career on well he's got so Tokyo next year Yep. I'm saying 15, he's, he's going to be top three. Yep. I, I don't want to say where in that top three, but he's going to be in the top three. Yep. Now, in the 5K, we saw him 
was it World Champs when he came fifth or fourth? Yeah, when he when he kicked, he did a Joshua, yeah. so to speak, if you want to call it that, where he so kicked speak. kicked too early and then swam across the line. But yeah, and and I think with in that race he'll have learned from that and he'll know what it's like because you've got to remember the dude's still young I mean like he's experienced but he's still young and he's still learning things which sounds ridiculous to say when he's when he's done the stuff that he's done so I think at the next world champs he's definitely capable of meddling in both the 15 and the 5 but I'd say way more chance in the 5 and then it's going to be yeah. kind of tight uh, in the 5 I was going to say I, I think I think he's got more chance of winning in the 5K than he does in the 15. Because okay, yeah. I feel like if he timed his kick better at, in Doha, he could have definitely medalled at least. And obviously he should have medalled in the 15 yeah. as well. But I think he just he just sort of... I guess he it's the first time we've seen him not be so... I'm not sure if it was nerves or what, but he just seemed to not be himself. Which mm. you can't really blame him. 19-year-old going no. to world champs, but... Yeah, I think he can meddle in both. Yeah, exactly. And I think the, the person who I think will give him one of the the biggest, certainly in a kick over 5K, he's going to have to be, um, you know, really thinking about Kajelcha because obviously Kajelcha's got that that world indoor mile record. Um, so he, he's going to be, you know, someone who who Yaku will have to worry about, especially if it's if it's a slow race. But obviously there's just so many strength runners as well. Um who have, have proved themselves on cross country who you know you get them on a track and suddenly they're they're taking it out you lap after lap after lap and and that'll be a tough one to take because when someone's so so strong it's, it doesn't matter how fast you are because when it's a matter of strength that kick is going to be drawn out of you if someone if someone's going with like 2k and just like chucking in 60s left right and center you you got to be stronger than you got to be faster to to be able to keep with that. Yeah, and I think the likes of, in the 5K at the minute with Borrega and the, I guess if Czech guy wanted to step down, he could also do that and probably Kibruto as well. Some of those races are going to be taken out with 3K to go, 2K to go and I think that's where Jakob might struggle a bit more. Um, mm. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see because he's, he's still young and what he's done this year so far seems like he's already better than he was last year. So it's going to be interesting mm. to see what he does. Uh, hopefully meddling both. Uh, next year that would yeah, be nice 100% so moving on to the next question I think it says yeah um, it's basically asking has there been a moment in your running or racing where you know it sort of clicked that you really love the sport and like this is the sport that you, that you want to do I feel very boring for saying this I'll let you go first if you want because I need to think about this if you've got one in your head I'm going to say I love it there is there is but I can't think of it I've definitely had times where I thought it when I've been in the moment but I can't think of any right now off the top of my head yeah it's it's a tough one because there's so many good memories in the sport there's also so many bad memories that make you feel so weirdly grateful for it so for me it would be my first British champs uh win I was I was at under 17 um it was at British champs in Loughborough on cross country and like I kind of kicked me and Tom Keane had broken away uh, and we got into like that, that sort of backfield at Loughborough for anyone who's listening, uh, who knows what I mean. And like me and Tom were just looking at each other, just like suffering. And it was whoever, whoever kicked first, the other person was just going to be, you know, like flagging. And um, I ended up kicking and then winning the, winning my first British champs by about, I think 20, 23 seconds. And it was, it was really coming into the home straight and like, you know, seeing loads of people watching the race and cheering and stuff. And it's sort of one of those things in, that you wouldn't have got in football where it's like you've got other parents who are shouting for you and cheering for you and all that sort of stuff. And, and that really made me feel welcome in the sport. And, and it made me realise, you know, I can, I can really do stuff, do stuff yeah. in this sport. Yeah, I think like you've been saying that, it's, it's made me, I've got two now, sort of. Um, the yeah. first one is actually nothing to do with me at all. And it's kind of a strange one, but. Do you know the Doha Marathon last year? Watching Callum Hawkins, yeah. oh man, do what he did yeah. was obviously he still didn't medal, but watching that for some reason just got me so hyped, and it was just I just thought it was crazy what he did, and yeah, that that just made me think like it's such a crazy sport that obviously in the marathon you've got the Africans who you like 
you'd think would come top 10 always. And then you just see a Scottish guy who collapsed uh, in Australia the year before because of the heat, I'm guessing. And then in another hot country, Doha, just literally steam through the field catching all the Africans. It was just, it was crazy with how far back he came as well. And I guess, I guess while we're in the marathons as well, I guess Ineos, um, anything Kipchoge does sort of makes me feel that way as well. Just mm. sort of inspires. And then on a personal level, it'd probably be Armar. Um, yeah. Which sort of maybe like something clicks in my head. And it's like, you just take a step back from like you're running. You're like, this is why I run. It's, yeah. I don't know. It's just that event was just phenomenal. Yeah, 100%. Because you, you get all those guys on in some like quiet town in uh, in Northern Ireland just running around this tiny road circuit. It's like a K long, but you've got every man and his dog there who are just like ready to run some quick times. And then, you know, like afterwards, you've got all your mates there as well. Uh, you're seeing people that you don't get to see that much because everyone's on, you know, different sides different sides of the country sort of thing so that that was a really amazing amazing event and i'm looking forward to that again again next year um and yeah so uh, a technical question next um which was how, how much do you think running form affects the ability of a runner um i'll, I'll let you answer that one first well i obviously think it's a lot i think mm. if you've got a running the form what ties you out then it's gonna dramatically affected like you look at the best runners ever talking Kipchoge Bikaili, um mm. just anyone like that all their form is almost perfect but yeah. saying that you've got some people like Nico Young who <laughs> obviously high school record over 3k indoors mm. well 3k anyway and his, his form obviously he's comfortable with it but his form it looks like he's constantly tired and I guess mm. it's surely he's got a few more seconds there because of his form but I guess it's it doesn't matter if you're comfortable with it I think it's more yeah. of an issue for injuries more than anything as well yeah so yeah. that's from, coming from someone whose form's terrible anyway like my form's dreadful so I, I've sort of got a biased answer but I'm guessing what, what do you reckon um it's a tricky one like you say I think there's something to be said for the efficiency because you know it's kind of a fact if, if your form is a certain way you're either laboring more or you're not laboring laboring more um but again i also look at it from the perspective that if you are comfortable in your running style and you're running fast then in certain situations it's tough to criticize it's also very hard to change your form it's like oh well, you know you can't say to someone you know your form isn't isn't great it needs to change drastically but you're running fast you you can't really do that because if someone is running quick with their form, then, but it's not that clean, then, you know, at least they're still running fast. But like you say, it's just, I guess sometimes it's just a hazard for, for injuries. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's important as you get older to sort of make sure you're doing the right strength training and stretching and stuff to make sure your form sort of prevents, like helps prevent those injuries rather than, like obviously I think heel striking can give you a few more injuries and like just really like heavy, being heavy footed and stuff like that. I guess that's more yeah. influential than actually having an inefficient form and like being slow, I guess. But yeah. Obviously it has an effect and I think it's just like anything though. It's like marginal gains, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and it's like with, with my form, my left arm comes across. It's really weird. It's like my mum, I'm looking at some old photos of my mum running and her left arm comes across sometimes like when she's tired. But my, my dad's like right arm, it's really like when I look at sort of photos, I've almost got my dad's right arm and my mum's left arm when I'm running. And it's really strange to look at it. But, you know, when I get tired, my left arm comes across and left leg's not coming up as high sometimes. But And that's stuff that I'll work on when I, when I start strength and conditioning, which I haven't, haven't started yet. But hopefully that stuff sort of, sort of comes through soon because, you know, I, I have to add a few more things into my training program to make sure that, I stay injury free and one of those things is is correcting form where I can yeah I'm in the same boat there I need to start doing a bit more because I feel like when you start up in your mileage a bit it sort of becomes evident especially if you're not doing that much speed whenever you get onto the track for the first time in ages your form just feels all over the place it's not nice yeah, yeah exactly no it's not nice at all and um and yes I 
So I think form's a tricky one. I think it's, I think it, you know, it, it's obvious. It, the better the form, the more, well, not necessarily the better looking, but the more efficient your form, the less you have to work to run harder and the, the bigger the chance you have of, um, you know, being efficient with the energy that you, you, that you put out. Yeah, exactly. Um, next question then. I'm going to go for unlimited budget. Mm. If you can control the Diamond League, what would you change? Mm, that is is a fantastic question and and shout out to henry johnson for that question because that's you know that's that's a really good one um for me first thing i'd do is keep distance events in there yeah and make sure that they are not dropped from the program because i think that's a silly premise of just just taking them out for the sake of taking them out and and i think just just strong representation of like all the events that you can. I don't think that you need like, I'm not saying you have like a 15, 5K and 10K in every single Diamond League. I think there's enough to to spread the events out through the season because there's going to be 10K guys that need a 5K and, and you know 5K guys that need a 1500 to tune up. Uh, for me, I'd, I'd really work on um, involvement in the sport and and applying to a wider audience and trying to market the events so that they're, they're interested. And whether that be that you have, you, you put on some events that are a little bit different, like in a, like an elimination mile. If, if you were to put on, you know, an elimination mile every so often and, you know, get people engaged in sports because it's just a little bit different, you know, I, I think that would be great. But um, it's a tough one with the diamond league and with the sport, because, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's a relatively simple sport, you know. You go out, you work hard, um, but I really think that um, getting more people involved in the sport and, and marketing in a way that that you're going to get more people interested in it, because I think I think that's that's a problem sometimes. Yeah, I think something I'm quite big on is sort of obviously we speak about it as an individual sport, which it is, but having yeah. some form of like league system and team system. So like, let's say yeah. Mike had a team or like had multiple teams and like even if it was like associated with football teams or like different high level teams like in Spain I think they do it where there's like a like a Barcelona football club and a Barcelona running club and they're sort of oh yeah interchange yeah. obviously we won't get the direct fans across by any means from football to uh running but I feel like having that sort of team view on it would get more people involved so I feel like that's one yeah. thing what could be worked on obviously I think as well raising personalities within the sport and on the diamond league level so like really amplifying like wall home i think noah lyle's personality is great as well now um just people like that sort of yeah actually trying to make them stars rather than i feel like athletics is quite a introvert sport or like a, mm. a sport that's not really outgoing so i think it's hard to actually appeal to a lot of people because what they look for is just like all the drama and stuff and obviously we don't really have any of that um but another thing I do is, like you said, have more events like the Elimination Mile, just exciting mm. stuff. Like Craig's, Craig said on our last podcast, a uh, mullet mile. Oh, the mullet mile. Everyone has to wear a wig. I think that would be a bit dodgy sure, in the Diamond no. League, but I guess you could have it somewhere. Um, It'd be a bit, of a bit of a tricky one, yeah. And I think also moving the Diamond Leagues out, out into the city as well. Like having mm. on some like have like the city games where you've got like a, a mile road race. Um, you sort of get the pop-up track for the hundreds and stuff. Uh, that seems yeah. to have worked well in the past. And that, I think that brings a lot of people out to the city to watch it as well. So I'd probably say that. Yeah, that's something that the Diamond League could be doing. And that's, you know, that's investing in different types of events where it's not just all over the world, but, you know, city centre games. Because with, with the great North City games, you know, we're vaguely interested in athletics, not really, but it was something to do for the day. And, I think that's the, the that's the way that we need to sort of look at because people are not going to go out of their way and spend, you know, a hundred a hundred pounds or dollars on a ticket if they're, if they're not that interested in athletics and and when you've got sort of like an open platform for people just to go to and to see these amazing athletes train and and to market it to them and and to let them know different names and you know get get more people involved in a way that's that's easy for them to access. Yeah, I, th- I think it's. I think it's definitely. Like, I think whenever you look back on the races you've done as well, you sort of remember the ones what I saw like that. Obviously, Armar, it's not the same because it's like a small village. But like one that always yeah. sticks out for me is um, the Westminster Mile, and there's yeah. like thousands and thousands of thousands of people competing and watching, 
I guess it's the same yeah. with all the, all the major city marathons as well. They're sort of the, the big events and sort of the money makers as well. And I feel like it just gets so many people out on the streets. It sort of motivates everyone. And I feel like there's not enough happening in running to motivate people to go and watch running. Yeah. So obviously, I think the timetables could change a bit as well because there's like breaks and it's just not exciting just sitting there waiting, like just watching like discus on the other side of the stadium where you can't really see the discus at all. And then mm. just waiting like half an hour for the next track event. I feel like that's a bit. Well, that's the thing. I'm also, because I hate to sound so like centered around middle and long distance running, but obviously that's, that's where our passion is. But I think it's also important that the field, because I know the field guys really sometimes don't get enough attention and their sport isn't shown the way it probably should do to, to put emphasis on it and how tough the sport is and whatever. I mean, like I say, we'll always, you know, stand by um, middle distance and long distance, but it, it would be great to have all events covered uh, in, in a way that's, that's easy for everyone to access. And um, yeah, it's interesting because I saw a tweet from Nick Willis recently who said uh, that having the finals of like the 15 or the 5K on the last, last day or two of the Olympics is actually quite, it's quite tough for middle distance and long distance athletes to market themselves because they're just not given the time or opportunity because you know he, he was saying that swimmers get a lot of time on screen and cyclists get a lot of time on screen and and the runners really don't you know you go through the lineup and then they race yeah. and then that's it done there's, there's not enough interviews and I think that, that was the thing because like when when we had Bolt and you know when we had Farrah there was there was a lot of TV emphasis on the, on those two because because they were doing such amazing things and and they were real crowd pleasers and and right now we don't we have a few of those you know especially with the US you've got a lot of sort of like running cult heroes you know I'd I'd say that even in the UK we love Craig Engels because you know he's an easygoing guy and he races hard and he and he runs hard and. Yeah, so I think I think another side of that is, you know, we, we need more heroes in the sport, more personalities. A hundred percent. It's it's the one thing we're lacking is personalities, and I, obviously I don't want to. That sounds like we're criticising the sport, which is, I guess in a sense, sort of. I guess not. I was going to say they sort of suppress personalities, like you said, how no one gets camera time to sort of show off, and people have to be really yeah. outgoing to sort of get the personalities across. Like you've got Bolt, Noah Lyles now, yeah. sort of making a name of himself of his was like I don't know he's like he's like a bolt isn't he but I guess he's like different in his own way as well so that's good that we've got people like that and also people um, people yeah. like people like Tim Menelit who are sort of really like showing personalities even if it's not on the main stage just sort of taking it to the social media side to like mm-hmm. show off the personalities and obviously what they're doing is absolutely amazing for the sport because we need well we need more people like that because it's just it's great seeing what they're doing yeah, exactly, and and it's it's groups like Tim and that are raising the profile of the sport and bringing more fans in because they're really investable people. And you know, I enjoy watching their YouTube videos. I enjoy watching them race, and and even in Tim Man, they are of all you know sort of um, sort of abilities, I suppose. But they're all you know they all seem like really nice people, uh, all on the same mission, all putting in that hard work uh, where they are. So I. I really like that. Similarly with Hoka, Northern Arizona Elite, you know, I find I find the dynamic of Nick Harger, Rory Linkletter and Matthew Baxter quite funny. Um because, you know, Rory and and Matt were were massive, you know, rivals. They were NAU and BYU and and they were sort of the two best runners in the program at the time. Uh two of the best. You know, there's a lot of good runners in the program as well at the time. And uh, uh and obviously Nick was it was the best the best runner at the University of Portland at the time when when they were doing well so I think it's cool to see three big university teams sort of come together in a pro group yeah I completely agree it's great how people I think as well German like the UK guys move go over to the US like Mark Scott's doing Bowerman as well I think it's great yeah. seeing those sort of teams like it doesn't matter where you're from as well like you just go because it's where you want to run like it's just such a great team sport like Cut this bit out again. Sorry, I don't know what I'm saying. It's all good. <laughs> uh, so You're like, all good. Um, so, like, obviously, you see people like Mark Scott move out there, and they sort of get into like Bowman or I'm not really too. I guess Jake Haywood as well on the Oregon. 
or in the yeah. Czech Club, it's sort of like people from the UK are seeing them go out to America to train because obviously it's, it is better to train there yeah. and sort of see them sort of be part of such a globally known team in the world of running is just great to see because I feel like no matter what club you ran for prior, it's sort of that sport where you always come together and there's always that like internal rivalry as well because it is an individual sport. So yeah. even if you're on for the same team, you still run for yourself as well, which I think I think's great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, that that's that's the the camaraderie in the sport's good for the most part. And uh, yeah, and I think we we can really appreciate that about the sport. And um, and the next question we had um, is how how to push yourself and motivate yourself during a hard or painful session. And that for me, um, in answering that, is that one session. Um, you know one session doesn't count for everything but it, it it really accounts for the big picture um and when when you are suffering in a run you know you have to suffer that way in a race and if you can't put yourself through the pain in training you're not gonna be able to do it in a race so you've always got to simulate race pain and when you're suffering you've got to know that your body can work harder like I, I have sessions where I'm on the floor at the end and then my, you know, my dad slash coach is like, right, you've got, you've got an 800. And it's like, I, I thought the session was done, but you know, and then I go out and run the 800 and that 800's done, you know, it's, do, it's done reasonably quick and it, and it teaches you that however hard you're working, you can always work harder. So, so for me, pushing yourself, motivating yourself during a hard painful session, you've got to motivate yourself uh, because that session will account to the bigger picture. Um, and in terms of pain, you've got to go through it in a race, so you've got to go through it in training. Yeah, I think I'm probably the person who also needs to be asking this question, not answering it, because like I said previously, I'm not very good on this sort of thing. But I feel like something that's come to me actually during lockdown is when I did the 15k time trial, I did a, um, I was hurting with like 8k to go. And yeah. since then, I've just, got, I've just thought in my sessions, it's always been less than 8k, obviously, because I'm not doing 8k reps or whatever. But I've just been thinking like, you've, you've been through this pain before yeah you can do it now and it's sort of like just remembering why you actually do the sport and it's not easy mm. if it was easy then everyone would be olympic like world record holders like the world record would be getting broken every other day because everyone would be so good that it'd just be pointless trying but i think because it's not easy is what what should motivate you even more because you yeah. need to be motivated to do more than what your competitor is doing and I yeah. feel like that's a big motivator for me, just trying to outdo each other, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And understanding, like you say, the sport isn't easy. Uh, and there aren't any shortcuts. Um, so you've got, to, you've got to really work hard and you've got to hurt to make, to make the extra gains. Um, so, yeah, re- really, I think for that one, you just got to, you just got to know that you, you, you're going to hurt in races got hurt in training otherwise you know it, it won't work vice versa um, yeah exactly yeah and i think uh, the second last question was um ideas for a 5k workout so I'll, I'll let you say what your sort of favorite 5k workout is well your 5k is quicker than mine but okay um i'd probably <laughs> say something something a bit classic like you've got a i kind of like the thought of Threshold run, so you've sort of got split threshold, so yeah. something along the lines of five by five minutes of threshold sort of thing, um, mm, yeah. 90 seconds recovery, and then sort yeah. of either doing some hills, like the Inga Britson and Tim Men hill, where it's like, I think it's like mile effort or 800 effort for like 10 by 30 seconds hills or something like that. I feel like yeah. that, that together as a session is sort of a really good mixture but also i'd say track wise you've got sort of k k repeats are always a a nice one to do and then with some faster twos at the end or something like that um, yeah so like i don't know six by k off 90 seconds at five five k pace pretty much and then yeah some twos at 800 pace with decent recovery yeah that's that 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 were always a lovely session because you kind of get rolling in those i think for me my my favorite 5k session that I do is two by 2k uh, and then a 1k and then it's that times two uh, on the track which is which is tough but I mean it's 2k a minute 2k a minute 1k 
and then three minutes uh, jog and then straight into the second set same again and uh, that's that is really like a big session uh, for suffering because 2k is a long way for a rep especially on a track and it's kind of drilling drilling your splits into yourself and knowing that you're being consistent but like I mean obviously I I don't train the group uh well recently I started training the group a bit more but for the past two years I've, I've really not had a group so doing like you know four 2k reps on a track uh and only being being with your own head on it sort of thing is is a tough one but um but yeah it's probably probably my, my favorite 5k session it's funny you said that as well about the two Ks. I feel like on a track it makes such a difference. Like I was doing yeah. road road two K reps the other day and it felt like nothing. It literally felt like yeah. it was over so quickly. But then when you've got it on track, it's just lap after lap. It, it's it's strange how much of it like running around in circles affects your mentality. I guess yeah. that makes it even tougher, really. Yeah, that, that session's absolutely ridiculous. And like I said yeah. earlier, your your sessions are just crazy. Yeah, it's been yeah, it's been some uh I've done some horrible sessions in my time. I can really, I quite like that. I can sort of, I can go to some dark places in some sessions and, uh, and really, uh, hurt. And then that's been the same in races, uh, which is always a handy skill, but you know, it's, it's pretty tough. Uh, there was another question at the end, which was, um, let me try and find that. It was, uh, how did you represent great Britain? Was it a qualifier race or selected? So, I've run for Great Britain uh, four four times. I've uh, been been quite fortunate to do so. My first Great Britain vest was for three k European Youth. Uh, I'd run eight eighteen. I, I was second fastest in in Europe at the time as a youth. Uh, went to the trial, uh, kicked with about three hundred four hundred to go, and then fell over with fifty meters to go. I was fortunate enough for the uh, for the selectors to select me, but like I say, I, I was second fastest in Europe at the time. So, um, so yeah. And then second GB vest was oh, what was it? Oh, your Euro- Euro- European Juniors cross country. Uh, been showing really good form up to the up to the trial, and then ended up being injured at the trial. Uh, no, not injured. I was ill. Then fortunately, again, British Athletics uh, saw that I was in good shape and I was, I was running really well on the European circuit over cross-country at the time and, and, and put faith in me and, and I got selected for that as well. Um, and then the one after that, I, I was second at British Champs uh, and, uh, and qualified for the World Cross in Aarhus where I finished uh, 37th. And then my most recent... GB vest was uh, at European Juniors on the track over 5k. Uh, I, I won the trial and ran 14.16. Went into the race ranked uh, ranked fourth. <laughs> Sadly, finished ninth. Um, messed the race up horrendously with a mile to go, but but that's a story for another time. So yeah, and then not and then also. The question wasn't asked, but Alfie's also represented England on the cross country. Where where did you run for England? Uh, Seville and then Belgium. So Rots, I think it was Rotslaw, something along yeah. those lines. Thanks, thanks for including that, Rory. I was going to leave that out, but thanks for including no. that. It gives me a bit of a confidence boost. Um, I guess from again, mine was um, the Liverpool champs, like the Liverpool cross challenge, um, yeah. where I qualified for my first race, which was Seville, and that. I finished yeah. third somehow. Don't have a clue how. I that was a strong, was a strong race as well. Obviously behind the great uh, Tom Mortimer, and then the, the first legend. place was um, Wazim Wazim Amas or whatever his name is from Spain. Oh, Wasim Umas. Yeah, he's he's a fantastic runner. Made a really non-suspect jump from uh, from being a decent cross-country runner to being one of the best in the world, and then running seven forty-five or seven forty-two or something like that indoors over three k. Yep. Yeah, Great. so that crazy so yeah, impression. Yeah, that that was really impressive. Uh I think I think it was a change of coach which which allowed him to to, you know, run that fast. Um so yeah, I, I you know, I, I really want to know what those coaching strategies are because they must be really, you know, quite special. 
yeah, there must be. It's crazy what he's done, especially when you beat him early in that season as well, I believe. Uh, yeah. And then he came second yeah. to Jakob at Europeans. Yeah, it was quite it was quite an impressive jump. He must have just had a bad day when when I raced him. So, so you Pe- know, peaking uh, right. That's all it is. Yeah, mate. So props props to Wasim for uh, for you know bursting onto the scene that way. It was really impressive. Um, yeah, yeah. And then the second race was just from my first race from running well. I just got asked to race in Belgium, which was an awful course. Never, everyone is that, think, is that the really sandy one? Yeah, I think three of us got injured. There's four of us in the England team, and three of us got injured from that course because <laughs> it was just oh my god, jumping over hurdles, jumping into sand, and then like round oh. corners. It was five laps of like the tiniest course, and it was like 90 degree turns constantly. It was a nightmare. Oh was, man, I, I never ran it, but I've, I've seen photos of it, and it just looks it's like little horse jumps straight onto sand. The quads would be absolutely sapping. Um, but I, yeah, I got told I'll just quickly on this. I got told um, before the start of the race that um, be careful. The Belgians like to uh, race cross country quite dirty, and I, I was like, <laughs> "What do you mean?" It's like practically spit an elbow and stuff like that. Going go, go around the first corner, I was in like fourth, and I just got elbowed straight to the ribs. And then oh, I, was, I, I think I went round. I was about twentieth going around the second corner. It was a nightmare. Oh, it's brutal. It's, that's true. I I raced uh, Tim Vanderveld in. Spain uh, a little while ago and from the gun just he just went and I mean like obviously he's throwing elbows left right and centre it's the way that cross country is I wouldn't change it for the world but and he just just hammered it and hammered it and hammered it and I was just hanging on and hanging on and hanging on and uh, we both ended up uh, blowing up pretty dramatically because we were running way too hard um, way too early but but yeah now the European scene it is uh it's great especially for cross country yeah it's, it's it's a different kind of breed isn't it when you oh see yeah it's uh, cross country it seems so much nicer yeah no it, it looks like a dream but then you also got to realize that those guys are just running so fast on grass and it's and that's where it sort of meets it because you know we we write off mile splits and k splits because the courses are just so brutal um and and it's you know when you get over there, time actually matters on you know on most courses, uh, which you know for for us is is very different. But yes, yeah, so that's that's been you know podcast just getting getting to know us a little bit because we're going to be doing many podcasts in the future. You know we've got guests such as Andy Butchart, and um, you know hopefully Sam Parsons coming on soon. So we're gonna we're gonna be you know dropping these week weekly. Um, and yeah, so I guess it was good for for the listeners to know a little bit more about us.